As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Sports Radio Update starts now. Top of the ninth inning, the Blue Jays lead the Red Sox 6-0. Bottom of the ninth, Marlins on top of the Phillies 6-3. Top of the ninth, the Braves and the Nationals are tied at two. Both of those teams making some moves today. The Braves optioning pitcher Mike Fultonavich after yet another disappointing outing. He was an all-star last year, but this year just 2-5 and five with a 6.37 ERA. And the Nationals released struggling reliever Trevor Rosenthal The Nationals have the worst bullpen ERA in baseball. Other scores top of the sixth inning, the Padres and the Pirates are tied at four. Bottom of the sixth inning, the Astros with a 9-3 lead over the Yankees. New York came into this game winners of eighth straight. The Astros losers of seven in a row. Houston took an early 9-0 lead in this game. Again, 9-3, bottom of the sixth inning. Top of the sixth, the Brewers lead the Reds 7-3. They're in the top of the fifth inning. Royals on top of the Twins 5-1. Bottom of the sixth, the Mets a 3-2 lead over the Cubs. Bottom of the third, Rangers lead the White Sox 4-0. One game has gone Final, the Indians, an 8-3 win over the Tigers. First pitch coming up shortly in Oakland. The A's hosting the Rays. And in L.A., the Dodgers welcome in the Rockies. In Arizona, Diamondbacks host the Giants. In Seattle, the Mariners host the Orioles. Your primetime game tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern time. First pitch, Cardinals host the Angels. Basketball news. The Lakers have received permission to speak with Warriors assistant coach Ron Adams about a role on Frank Vogel's staff. And elsewhere, the agent for Willie Cauley-Stein has encouraged the Sacramento Kings to allow his client to become a free agent, saying it's time for the center to move on. Soccer Women's World Cup action round of 16. France and Brazil are tied nil-nil at the half. That game important because the winner will face the winner of the United States and Spain. Their game is tomorrow. Get all of your scores on the NBC Sports Scores app. I'm Scott Seidenberg with NBC Sports Radio. NBC News Radio, I'm Phil Hewlett. President Trump says he called off today's planned immigration raids at the request of Democrats. ICE agents were expected to round up about 2,000 people with standing deportation orders around the country today in pre-dawn raids. War with Iran could spin out of control. That was the warning issued today on ABC's This Week by former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Mike Mullen. The retired U.S. Navy Admiral encouraged Americans who don't want to go to war to press their lawmakers in Washington. Severe thunderstorms are predicted today for the southern plains to the Ohio Valley. Forecasters warn of heavy rain and flooding, damaging wind gusts, large hail, and possible tornadoes, especially in parts of Texas and the Upper South. Daredevil Nick Walenda is preparing to walk five New York City blocks. He'll do this on a high wire, 25 stories above the ground in Times Square, later today. Phil Hewlett, NBC News Radio. Hey folks, I'm Ken Coleman. Let me ask you a question. Do you dread going into work on Mondays? You're not alone. Life is way too short to walk through the week like a zombie. We all want to live a life of meaning, and I'm here to help. 
you are dreaming, you can see it, you can taste it, and you're frustrated. I guess it's really a big fear of the failure in getting that job. This is simple, dude. One of America's premier experts on career, on getting a job, on finding your passion. I intend to start my own business, and I'm just looking for someone to tell me that I'm not crazy. Oh, on the surface, Donna, that makes me excited, not concerned. You're living for the weekend right now? Yeah. We got to fix that. Yeah, we do. It's the Ken Coleman Show every weekday starting at 10 a.m. beginning July 1st right here on KCAA. Find out what you're good at because the world needs you to do it. Somebody out there needs you to be you. KCAA. Dick's Auto Wreckers in Fontana reminds everyone that while driving, safety is extremely important. Using a cell phone, texting, or drinking and driving causes accidents and possible death. Safe driving is everyone's responsibility. This message courtesy of Trisha and the staff at Dick's Auto Wreckers in Fontana. Trust their years of experience and call Dick's Auto Wreckers at 909-823-7946. That's 909-823-7946. KCAA. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-327-1660. That's 800-327-1660. Again, 800-327-1660. Express 106.5 FM. The number one FM talk radio station in the Inland Empire. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Express 106.5 FM. information economy has arrived. The world is teeming with innovation as new business models reinvent every industry. every industry. Inside Analysis is your source of information and insight about how to make the most of this exciting new era. Learn more at InsideAnalysis.com. InsideAnalysis.com. And now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, welcome back once again. Yes, indeed, it's time for Inside Analysis. This is your host, Eric Cavanaugh. I'm very pleased to have a couple expert guests for the show today, dialing in all the way from across the planet. Yours truly is dialing in as well, instead of going through the usual studio. But uh, we're keeping things mobile, keeping things agile, and we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics today, and that is artificial intelligence and a related topic of analytics. I'm very pleased to have two experts from a company called Yellowfin. They're from Australia and kind enough to dial in uh, to our show and share with us some insights about what they're seeing out there in the real world of data, and things are certainly changing. So uh, first I'll introduce you both. We have Daniel Shaw-Dennis and Ivan Tiao on the line, once again from a company called Yellowfin. So it's a business intelligence and analytics firm, like I say, based all the way across the planet, and we're going to talk about AI and analytics and a whole bunch of other stuff. So first of all, gentlemen, um, I think I'd like to start with analytics and AI, but why don't you each introduce yourselves and just say a bit about who you are and where you're going in this industry. Daniel, Shaw, Dennis first, you and then Ivan. So Daniel, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Eric, and thanks for having us on today. Um, yeah, my name is Daniel Shaw, Dennis, and I run uh, strategic marketing uh, here at uh, Yellowfin, and um, you know, I've been part of... Uh, Yellowfin and for, for quite some time from our journey from a little Australian company to, to global organization. And um, for my sins, I've actually been uh, in the analytics game for, for some time. I've been uh, a consultant for a number of years, starting in the 90s, um, for the last nine years kind of helping to grow uh, Yellowfin. Pretty cool. And Ivan, tell us a bit about yourself. 
Yeah, Dan and, Dan and I are pretty much in the same space. Um, you know, I run product marketing for Yellowfin. I've uh, been with Yellowfin for the last 12 years, so a pretty long time. Uh, employee number seven, actually. Uh, and we've, uh, we've grown together with Yellowfin uh, in the analytics world and seen Yellowfin from a startup uh, to what it is today. Well, and what a time span to have covered, right? So, like you guys, I've been focused on really business intelligence and data warehousing and analytics and all that kind of fun stuff. For, for quite some time now, actually, I first started proper in the industry back in 2001 for a consulting firm out of Austin, Texas, and then over the course of the next few years wound up working as a contractor for the Data Warehousing Institute and then becoming an employee and kind of launching their whole webinar program back in 2005. And ever since then, I've just been headlong into the business. And you know, in that seven-year period that you just referenced, Ivan, I'll throw this out to you, we've really seen a rather significant transformation in how companies use data and what they're able to do with it, certainly with respect to analytics and the sort of insight-driven enterprise, as our mutual friend Wayne Eckerson would describe it. But now artificial intelligence is really coming to the fore. I think that's for several reasons. One is because we have the computational power right now that we just didn't have 10 or 20 years ago. Two is we have just massive amounts of data to play with. And three, we have a whole lot of expertise, and that's partly thanks to companies like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Google and some of these other folks who have been really pushing the envelope about what can happen. But, Ivan, I'll throw it out to you first. How big a transformation do you think this is, and uh, where are we going with artificial intelligence, especially for analytics? I think, I think you've covered it pretty much nicely there in terms of a setup. I mean, it is, it, it is pretty much a very exciting time right now. And a lot of the things that we are actually thinking about and actually doing and making a reality is only possible now because of all the technologies that sort of have lined up uh, and are actually ready to go. So, you know, in terms of scale and compute, a lot of the ideas and a lot of technologies uh, back then couldn't even uh, aim to reach that sort of that sort of reality. But I think Dan probably has a little bit better of a better idea on what this is all about and can sort of go into that uh, a little deeper. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Ivan. I mean, I know Eric and, and probably your listeners feel the same way. We see, we're seeing the term kind of AI a little bit everywhere at the moment. And for me, it's a little bit like big data was a few years ago that's just kind of popping up everywhere and in every kind of guise. But, you know, for us, what it means, I think, for analytics is, is really two key things. It's around automation. So the, the manual tasks that, you know, we all do as analysts, you know, the, the data discovery, the root cause analysis, the, you know, manually crunching through data, um, the machines, the technology is automating a lot of this for us. So just really reducing the number of steps and, and doing a lot of that grunt work. Um, and I think about, I guess, a good analogy with something like Google Maps. And, you know, back in the day, we used to have a, a, a Melway here in Australia, the Melbourne Way, funnily enough, and Sydney had the Sidway. And we used to go through this manual process to get to our destination, look on the pages, find the right page. It obviously used to be across two or three different sections. Plot our destination, off we go. And you know, then we find a traffic jam and, and reroute. And today it's put your address in and Google does it all for you. So a lot of those kind of manual steps we do in the analytics game um, are being kind of taken care of us by some of the technology that's coming out today. Um, and I'd probably say the second thing is we kind of with the technology, um, teaching it to do the things that we do. So, you know, we sift through, you know, patterns of, of data all the time um, to find something interesting. But, you know, the machines can essentially do this at scale. So if I'm looking at, you know, leads from a marketing perspective, and I see we've done a fantastic inside analysis uh, radio show and things have gone up, I can probably see that spike pretty easily. But if I'm an e-commerce site with thousands and thousands and thousands of transactions per hour, it's going to be a lot harder to actually find something interesting. Um, well, I'm going to have to have teams of people look through that information. And this is where, I guess, the power of using some of this technology in analytics can essentially just do that at scale and uncover the things that we wouldn't um, kind of generally see. And I think that provides just enormous potential um, for you know, customers and, and, and organizations as well. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And it, it really is a game-changing transformation that we're witnessing here because of what you just referenced, which is the scale the computational power that we're able to leverage these days. And I think that now it's really just kind of a learning curve as businesses work with consultants and, of course, with software companies like yourself to map out what's possible and start picking off some of those low-hanging fruit, right? Yeah, look, I think absolutely. I think, I mean, you've got some, 
I think obvious things in you know, greater efficiency, you've got your time and cost savings, and you've got this, um, I guess, better thing that comes with kind of automation. But the other part of that is, you know, there's, I think there's some real uh, potential for um, competitive advantage because, you know, these are emerging and we're seeing, you know, now people starting to utilise some of this technology, but it's not everywhere at the moment and there's some real advantages to be gained there. I mean, part of what we do as a business is, as well as going to a direct organisation, we have um, partners that embed our software in theirs and take it to market and they're seeing some of this technology as new revenue stream, not just you know, to sell products but also services that go around that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are obviously lots of challenges to be tackled and dealt with, um, but that's just a bunch of blocking and tackling, right? I mean, you need the right data, you need the right use case, you need the right uh, partners and the right team to kind of work through that. W what does the, the engagement look like when you work with a company and they realize that this is an answer for them? What are some of the cool um, examples that you can give for, where, for when this stuff really works? Yeah, so we've got a few stories in terms of, again, uh, probably make a little bit more sense if we talk about some of the products we have. But I think we, we see a lot of potential already and a lot of benefits in, in customers who are either not having enough analyst resource or not having the right skills or not having enough of said skills to actually, um, to actually solve the analytics problem, right? And, you know, again, it's, again, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of factors that go into it. But ultimately, there's too much data. The speed of the data is too much. You know, the, the, the amount of data sources is growing at a rate that we, we think can't be managed um, by a lot of the traditional paradigms that people are using uh, for analytics. Um, and then really, that's where automation comes in. Um, you know, you can sort of take over, uh, we would say, the grunt work and really just relieve a lot of these resources and analysts of what they're currently doing manually, which is really going through the data and preparing it and discovering, and really surfacing those insights as quickly as possible so that we do what we do best, which is really understanding what's going on and providing the interpretation of that, you know, providing the long-form analysis of that, and then bringing that back to the business, which I think is really where the next frontier for analytics is. You know, it's not about creating things like charts and dashboards, which we've done for the last 20 years, is about how do we actually now take these insights which are prepared for us instantly, and how do we actually bring that back to the business and change culture and change decision-making that way? Mm -hmm. So and we, it see, is, we see a lot... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you, you go ahead. I was just going to say, we. I think you guys hit a couple really good points there, one of which is the whole automation side of the equation, right? What you want to do, and this is... One of the terms we hear these days are like data pipelines, modern data pipelines. And that's where you can take a raw set of data, put it through a number of transformations, and really set up that series of transformations to put it into a place where it can be leveraged and used, whether for pricing optimization, for example, or routing optimization for even something like networking, or whatever the offer is, maybe some sort of next best offer that comes down the pike. But the key is that if you do this right, you're going to automate some of those manual, very tedious processes that people have spent a lot of their time doing. And I, I remind folks, when AI is done right, what it really winds up achieving is saving you a lot of time so you can do other stuff that's more interesting anyway, right? Yeah, look, that, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, the way that we've looked at it, and, and you know, you get the question, I've seen a bit pop up in terms of, you know, taking away potential roles and jobs from an analytics perspective, but... I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. It, it's essentially allowing analysts to do the higher value things. So I mean, essentially you're taking away some of that hard work. I mean, I remember you know, doing this back in the 90s and early 2000s. Now, having, if I'd love to have these tools that took away that kind of grunt work to just allow me to just analyse and actually just kind of look at the interesting stuff and, and present that to the business. And I think that's where um, you know, there's so much value in time and effort in some of these tools will bring, but to actually allow the people doing the work to focus on the high-value stuff, which I think is ultimately what they want to do. I mean, I certainly want to do as an analyst, and um, the business is getting more value out of the, the team that they have there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about value. One of the other themes I talk about a lot when we discuss AI is morale, because I think morale really goes up when you're using this technology in an appropriate fashion, because it is sorting through all the the noise to get you to the signal such that you know that what you're working on has some sort of significant meaning. Whereas in the past, we just spent a whole lot of time going through rote, tedious processes, trying to get to the, the end objective, which is only a static report anyway, where we're now moving into much more of a dynamic 
real-time world where you can have these systems sense significant changes in your environment, whatever it may be, and then act on that and, and take some new direction or take some new opportunity. To me, that's a, it's a very kinetic energy that we're infusing into the world of business, of the data-driven business. What do you guys think? Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've sort of nailed the, um, the, we would say, both the solution and the problem at the same time. You know, because the solution is here. You know, it, it's going to be using automation and an AI to really you know, automate a lot of the things that we previously thought needed to be done manually. Um, and that certainly has an effect on morale. And, and I would say even um, the focus as well. You know, if you're a person, if you're an analyst who is used to going through this entire process of manual discovery and manual analysis, you know, which is quite a few steps, and suddenly something comes along and sort of shortens that into, say, two steps, let's just say. You know, you prepare the data, the, the, the engine then just churns through it and it sends you the signal, and then you get that discovery, get an insight done for you. Then it does sort of make you think, all right, so what do I actually do now, now that this machine is doing things for me already, and what can I actually take all that extra time that I suddenly have, and what do I invest that back into? Um, and again, this is pretty much where we go, where you're investing it back into storytelling, which I think sort of fell to the wayside because everyone was spending like 90% of the time around the, the data part and the analysis part, but not a lot of interpreting data and not a lot of actually analyzing data from a business sense. You know, how do I actually use this insight or these insights to drive my business or to tweak my strategy? Um, now that we have the time and once this technology has come into play, then I think a lot of the culture around will be prioritizing insights that we get now. What's, what's all this, you know, what used to be really hard is now very easy to get. And then what do we, how do we then use those insights to try decision-making in the enterprise um, to write the ship, so to speak? Yep. Yeah, and uh, in all fairness, there are many organizations that really are not ready for this. What are, what are the hallmarks of an organization that's probably not ready? And then what can they do? Because I'm thinking even if you're not prepared to take this step right now, you certainly can get yourself prepared. And part of that process just involves really thinking about your business and thinking about, which part of your business needs to be optimized? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it operations? What aspect of your, of your operation can be augmented with AI? Can you talk about how companies can know if they're ready, and then if they're not ready, what they can do to get there? Absolutely. Um, you will definitely, as a business, run into a few foundational challenges, as we call it, um, in, in part of this whole AI-driven journey. Um, the first and the biggest point, which a lot of people would probably miss, is, are the simplest, and that's data governance. Um, it, it is truly at the heart of successful business decision-making. It was always one of the secrets for a successful BR project, and it's, it is the same for an AI-driven project as well. Um, you know, and it's not just about garbage in, garbage out. Uh, it's not about preparing clean data and enriching it. You know, it's certainly a very important step, but it's also about thinking what happens after that. So things like who can actually access and modify my business data. Um, you know, who can actually approve the changes and is it all auditable? Can we play it back? You know, is data lineage and management actually available there, the workflow, uh, to actually manage it? So it's not about control. It's about management of your trusted data, making sure it's trusted, and actually ensuring that it can actually scale across the enterprise. Um, and you can actually see a few instances where this actually isn't practiced in businesses or organizations alike. So, you know, just very quickly, um, you know, I'm sure we all know about the, uh, the Mars Orbiter probe incident with NASA, uh, with NASA oh, where they actually <laughs> lost a $125 million probe uh, from a very simple mistake, and it all boiled down yeah. to data curation yeah. between two teams. You know, mm -hmm. The propulsion team provided crucial acceleration data uh, you know, in an imperial system, and the navigation team expected it to be in a, in a metric system, and then we all know what happened after that with the, the downstream calculations, and we just went up in, uh, you know, in smoke. So it, it's kind of like stories like that as a reminder, all right, the simplest steps that we need to think about especially around data governance, has to be practiced within the, the business before you even think about jumping into uh, an AI-driven journey. Yeah, that's such a good point, uh, you know, and it really is the simple things that often throw us off guard. And, boy, what a, uh, what a devastating mistake that was. But it goes to show you, and, you know, you hear this in areas like security as well. The experts will tell you that if you change your passwords, if you do the basic things you're supposed to do, you're going to be able to help your organization avoid you know, avoid 80% of those problems. So I think that's a very good point. Well taken. It's a question of taking the inventory, right, of really taking a look at, at your practices, at your business, and view this as an opportunity to not just do some one-off project, uh, but to actually start changing the trajectory of your organization. 
We've got about a minute left till our first uh, segment is over, but I'll throw it back over to you guys. It really is about figuring out your strategy and then looking for opportunities to leverage the technology to better your business, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, it's looking at your business, and as we talked about before, while the governance side of things, it's not the, the most uh, interesting and it's not the most fun, but it, it has to be done. But then looking at your business and saying, okay, where can we get the most benefit out of this? Is this an you know, internal use case? Is it something external we can do? Um, and then also understanding it's not a silver bullet. You don't just turn it on, it suddenly works, and you've got all your kind of AI-driven answers. But you, know, you need to adapt it to your business, your rules, your processes, um, to make sure that it's, it's as relevant as possible and it's tuned to, to what you're doing and, and getting the best results. I think that's, that's the key to, when you, with that mindset, and you go to it understanding that it's going to be involved, it's going to set you up for even greater success. That's great. Well, folks, we'll be right back to Inside Inside Style. We're listening to, you're listening to Inside Analysis. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at buysupertea.com or call 818-274-8270. That's buysupertea.com, 818-274-8270, buysupertea.com. A great radio show may sound like it's easy to make, but if you've ever tried, you know that's not the case. With the time spent engineering, producing, and archiving, you end up losing focus on what really matters, the content of your show. If you put your show on the Gab Radio Network, you'll be able to leave all those technical worries to our staff of highly trained engineers and producers. And all you need to do is have fun and put on a great show. Want to find out more? Send an email over to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. At Indeed, we understand that when it comes to hiring, it's important to have a large talent pool to choose from. But sometimes too many good options can be overwhelming. That's why Indeed doesn't just give you access to a large pool of job seekers. We also offer screener tools that let you instantly narrow down your search. Hone in on hiring with Indeed. Experience Indeed for yourself today and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting at Indeed.com promo. Terms and conditions apply. It is time for baseball to act. Not like it's still relevant or anything. No, but when it comes to safety, we should all agree. What's baseball waiting on? Next on Dan's Life. At Indeed, we understand that when it comes to hiring, it's important to have a large talent pool to choose from. But sometimes too many good options can be overwhelming. That's why Indeed doesn't just give you access to a large pool of job seekers. We also offer screener tools that let you instantly narrow down your search. Hone in on hiring with Indeed. Experience Indeed for yourself today and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting at Indeed.com promo. Terms and conditions apply. I have not heard heartache in the voice of a broadcaster, except from those attempting to report on 9-11. But recently, when listening to the Cubs play-by-play Marvel Pat Hughes a couple of weeks ago, a horrific event. Chicago Cubs center fielder Albert Almora Jr. absolutely smashed a foul ball into the stands, which struck a toddler girl. She was seated with her family just beyond the netting that extends to the dugouts at Minute Maid Park in Houston. No one can expect a three-year-old girl to be paying attention. And the way that ball was hit, even a former gold glover of a parent couldn't have prevented what happened. It's time, MLB, for one of two things. Extend the nets at least halfway to the outfield walls or ban kids from the lower levels. Baseballs come screaming into the stands even into the upper deck, but at lower levels, it's a deadly missile. My getting hit by a baseball is a long shot. I watch the delivery of every pitch, and I've got a pretty good hand myself. Try getting a kid to watch or a smartphone-immersed person of any age to pay attention to every single moment of a baseball game. Find out more about Dan's life on Facebook. Search at French and Friends. That's at French and Friends. Do it, baseball. Another 50 feet is negligible. This is Dan's life.
Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Take us to the future. All right, folks, back here on Inside Analysis, talking to my good friends from Yellowfin all the way across the planet down there in Australia. Very interesting company. I know you guys are doing some work with my buddy Donald Farmer. He's also an incredibly smart guy, and he says very good things about you. So that, uh, in my business, that uh, that carries a lot of weight when the smart people say these guys are doing it right. To that end, what do you think, what have you guys figured out that maybe some other companies haven't, and why do you think you are uniquely able to kind of help companies along this somewhat unwieldy and bumpy ride? Uh, I think it's mainly the way we actually think about the analytical user experience, um, because our, our mission really is to help customers understand their business better. You know, it's a very simple statement, but a lot of work goes into it. Um, you know, it, it is our passion, it is our mission, uh, and it's essentially what really drives our products. So it really drives everything we do in Elephant. Um, we we have come up with a whole list of innovations. Uh, you know since uh, the inception of Yellowfin, really, back from 2003. Um, and a, a lot of the things are, at the time, funnily enough, thought, of, thought about as not being very important, but we sort of see, you know, what are the things that people actually want within analytical products? You know, what are the experiences they actually expect? And how do they actually share data? How do they actually share insights? I think a, a lot of that was actually concentrated on very early on, uh, at the inception of the product, and it also continues to drive our innovation, you know, straight. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 2019 and beyond. Yeah, I like that uh, you have this focus on the user. And you know, it's funny because it, it, people who know software realize that there is a lot of functionality. That's what the software is there for. It, it achieves some business function, whether it's procurement or sales or marketing or invoicing or whatever the case may be. There's some purpose to the software. That's why you buy it. But what often gets underappreciated, I think, is the critical importance of user interface. And I, I look to actually the, the mobile world to why we have seen this really interesting transformation in UI. And, of course, now we're talking all about user experience. I was just at SAP. They were talking about the experience economy, and you know, this is the latest trend, if you will, for the information management business. How do we take advantage of all these interesting, crunchy data points, right? But the UI is so important, and I think mobile has helped us greater appreciate not just the workflow, which should be obvious from a tool, whatever it may be, like an analytics tool in your perspective, the, the workflow involved, but also not not showering the user with 150 different options at any point when there are only five to ten options that make sense at that point. So that and that's a lot of the 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 legwork that goes into delivering these kinds of solutions. You're really thinking through that user interface and the workflow for the analyst. And if I understand you guys correctly, you really paid a lot of attention to that from the word go, right? 
Yeah, look, I think when we first started in this game um, and a lot of the, I mean, team were, were BI people, we just thought everyone wanted to play with data and, and use the analytics tools to a full extent. But funnily enough, we found out pretty hard that um, you know, people just want the information to, to make a better decision with their jobs. So you know, that really affected us in terms of how we're thinking about the design of the product. And I think historically, um, you know, going back into BI land, the tools were very much for the expert, for the um, the person who would deliver that information to the business, versus you know trying to put it in the hands of the people that actually need that information to do their job. So when we looked at um, I guess the UI for Yellowfin and, and thinking about not just the analyst but the business user, the person that actually has to you know, need that information and how do they work with data? How do they use tools? And you brought it up with with, with mobile as well, and that interface, um, that, that conversation interface, that's something that people are quite used to, how do you bring that into something like an analytics tool so it becomes uh, more familiar and more easy to interact with data and then ultimately make a better decision on that? So that's had a big impact on the way we've you know, designed um, kind of Yellowpin through the years, and it will continue to be kind of doing that as we go forward, because I think that's at the heart of what we try to do. and, and um, obviously, we've been recognised for that, but it, I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, ultimately, we want you know, people to adopt analytics because we, you know we all talk about data driven, but you know, ultimately, at the moment, you know, I don't think analytics is adopted at the rate that we would all like it to be, and we know how critical it is for, for running businesses. So that's at the heart of what we're doing, trying to make sure that that adoption rate is, is getting higher, and a great UI and a great experience will help enable that. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good point. And, you know, you're pointing out the fact that it's not just about the business analyst. It's also about the business user on the other end of that analysis spectrum, if you will. And that person has to be able to understand and consume and leverage the insights. And, of course, they have to, to trust it. So that gets us back to the whole governance equation, right? If you have good governance, you don't want to go awry, especially if you're flipping on an AI solution of some kind, it can go cattywampus pretty quickly, so you want to be very careful as you step up to that particular precipice that you have the data right, you have the governance right, you have the use case right, you've got all your ducks in a row before you really pull the trigger on some sort of artificial intelligence-fueled analytic process, right? Absolutely. I mean, you've actually just nailed the, the actual journey. In the, I mean, it's pretty much a quick start guide of actually starting not just an analytics project, but an AI-driven analytics project. Um, you know, it's, there's so many stories about this where people have completely missed uh, a very crucial step, or you know, whether it's within um, the right architecture for it uh, in terms of uh, AI and BI. You know, is is how does people actually how do people actually create analysis? Um, you know, how do people actually share and publish uh, analysis and insights? Um, how is that actually maintained across the enterprise? So a lot of people don't think about that uh, in terms of adopting the right framework or even the right vendor, the right tool. So a lot of these steps need to be scaled in a way where you're not constantly logging into different experiences or, or different instances, as we call. You know, you're not constantly syncing data from your desktop to to a server in order to have it published to the world. You know, a lot of people don't actually think about that. So. It's just choosing the right architecture for it, um, you know, making sure that the data governance is there. Um, otherwise, you might run into some very, uh, you know, very, very scary scenarios. Like, for example, uh, you know, just again, using another story to drive my point here, um, you know, the, the famous minus sign mistake on fidelity. Um, you know, like during the, the fund estimate and process, you know, the, the, the tax accountant that was responsible for the project uh, was required to transcribe, you know, gains and losses from the financial records to a separate spreadsheet, right? And it's a simple action there, but the thing is, is manual, um, and during the copy process, forget to sort of take into account the minus sign before performing additional calculations. And then what occurred was a, a huge miscalculation of 2.6 billion dollars uh, for that fund. So it's kind of like these things that can completely fail an AI-driven project. And I think we have to really get that right as a business if you are going to be counting on some of these automated insights um, that AI actually produces for the business. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good point. 
And again, that's dotting the I's and, and crossing the T's, right? It's, uh, it's sort of an administrative process. It's a QA process. It's a quality assurance process. And if you have a culture that appreciates things like data governance, then odds are you're going to have people in that workflow who are paying attention to the details and, 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 uh, and checking things and checking them twice, so to speak, right? Because, again, Certainly for any kind of regular significant decision, you want that. But if you're going to go down the road of artificial intelligence, you really need to make extra sure that you've got those uh, all those gaps minded, basically, right? Yeah, look, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, it, it is not the most appealing to do. And it's, it's something that we've been saying, everyone's been saying in analytics, regardless of AI enabled or not, but it's... The difference is then if you're you know, allowing this technology at it, you're then making those mistakes at scale. And as you alluded to, you know, potentially you're making some pretty big decisions um, based on you know, the algorithms, the technology that's spitting out. And often you know, there might not be as much transparency across those things, and that's, that's probably another challenge with some of these uh, technologies as well. But making sure that that foundation is just is secure and right then whatever you do off the back of that, you've got that set up ready to go, and then you can you know, pivot and change and, and, and apply what you need to do. But it is just a fundamental, um, particularly when at letting these technologies out. As I said, you'll have that problem at scale. Right. And, you know, I'm reminded of something. I've asked quite a few experts in machine learning over the years, can a, can a particular algorithm or can a particular model unlearn something and the short answer is no. You have to retrain the algorithm. So just so the audience understands, when you're using machine learning, which is a, a sort of the broader set of technologies that we talk about under the loose term AI, because technically AI should be it's only a specific subset, but it, the terms are often interchanged. But as you're using machine learning, you have to have a bunch of data, and you train that data, and then, or you train the algorithm on that data, but if you find out that you had the wrong data in there, you find out there was some problem with the, the fuel, if you will, you have to take that, that model out of production. And so to, to help the audience understand what's going on here, you put these models into production, which means if it's a web-facing solution, it's going to govern whatever it's designed to do, whether which offers are put forth to this person, what pricing to offer, you know, dynamic pricing is everywhere these days. It's certainly in the airline industry. If you wait long enough, the uh, the deals are going to go in the wrong direction for you and have to pay more money for it. But that's, there's a lot of dynamic pricing underpinning all those systems, and those are really intense systems, I mean, especially if you think about Orbitz and Priceline and some of these guys that are scanning multiple systems. That's a really cool use case for artificial intelligence, right? Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've pretty much nailed the, the you know, nailed it and the, the point itself. So, I mean, as smart as machine learning is, really, as a subset of AI, um, it is there is that component where humans definitely need to play a part. Um, you know, definitely there there is you know very little a way of actually unlearning uh, things as you talked about, and a lot of it involves retraining the model. Um, which is why we believe he, the human element is still very key to the whole process. I mean, a lot of people look at AI and ML and think, oh, no, you know, the stuff I'm doing, that's going to go away and, and you know, my, my job is going to disappear into the ether. But it, it really isn't. You know, it, the way we look at it and, and the way we've looked at customers practicing these methods and this new technology is it totally opens up new ways of actually working. And I think that's that's probably something that, the, the workforce has to get used to. You know, it is the future of the analytic workforce, and that's that's going to change. Um, the priorities will change. The, the the tasks will change. You know, you you will be given so much more time back on on, on not doing the things we're doing today, which is the, the manual creation, the manual prep, the manual insight sharing, the manual discovery of insights, all of that. And I think as, as, as what we do as workers in, in the new future analytical world, we have to sort of take a step back and go, all right, so what are we going to now do with these new technologies in place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it is a process, right? And I think 
Yeah, we've had some interesting conversations recently about how companies can approach this in a responsible manner, and there was a really interesting thought that someone shared on the radio show about having a research team in your organization, not traditional research and development, which a lot of companies will have, but depending upon the size of your company and depending upon your industry, having a group of people whose sole job it is to keep their ear to the ground and to take a look at all the interesting technological innovations that are spinning out, whether of the data management business, like in our world, or in their own particular industry. And I say that because there are so many things happening these days. Just in the in our space, the tech space, Kubernetes, for example, a lot of people don't know what that is. It's a very powerful technology, but what do you guys think? You've got about a minute and a half before the next segment ends here. What do you think about having focused groups in your organization, anywhere from two to five to seven people, who just track innovation in your industry? Look, I, I think if, if an organization can afford to do that, it's it can be very advantageous. I mean, as you just spoken about, this technology can be applied in so many different ways. And an understanding of the business and then an understanding of then how you can take advantage of that is key. And if I look at, I guess, the analytics journey and you, you go from you know, your data sources to your data prep to your um, injecting of advanced analytics or data science tools all the way to analysis and then delivery, all through every step, there are different technologies, different vendors that could really, um, you know, use the power of this kind of AI technology to um, leverage each of those parts. And an organisation that has a team that understands the technology available, understands how that would fit into their organisation as well, can essentially kind of maximise that and get the best out of it. And um, I think it's yeah, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if, if organisations can look at that. Um, they can't afford kind of six or seven, at least a couple of people that are looking at these technologies, have the knowledge and the business knowledge to see where best they can plug into as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it, it, the time is perfect for that kind of team because there is so much that's changing out there. There's so much that's morphing. And uh, the more you can understand about that, the better off you'll be. Well, folks, don't touch that dial. Stick around for one more hot minute. We'll be right back. You are listening to Inside Analysis. Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Ford introduced a new Explorer, which will include a police interceptor, a gas, a hybrid that will go 500 miles on a single tank, and a performance ST model that will have over 400 horsepower. On the technology front, it'll have a 10.1 portrait mounted touchscreen, much the same as a Tesla. Ford's Copilot 360 driver assistance technologies that parallel parks a vehicle for you, and terrain management systems. For more cool car tech, visit testmiles.com. What if new plans were no problem? Introducing the all-new Toyota RAV4 Limited. With cutting-edge technology and revolutionized style, it's ready to handle any what-if in your path. Visit toyota.com slash testmiles for more details, and thanks, Toyota, for your support. You're listening to Global American Broadcasting, the Gab Radio Network. For more info... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. On our programs and services, including technical operations and syndication, please visit Gab. If you run a large corporation, small business, or anything in between, you need ads to help get the word out. A full page in the newspaper sounds good. A TV spot sounds even better. But let's face it, newspapers are essentially last-minute wrapping paper, and a TV spot is just expensive and basically code for bathroom break. Talk radio is different. Commercials cost practically nothing to produce, and the listeners are loyal. They like what they like, and they stay tuned in. 
When they hear about a new product or service during their favorite show, they can't wait to try it out for themselves so they can talk about it with their friends. And you know how radio listeners like to talk. If you want to add radio to your marketing portfolio, you need the Gab Radio Network. Gab Radio is the team of full-service experts you've been looking for, from writing to production, distribution, voiceover, and more. We make sure your spots are paired with the right shows in the right markets at the right time of day so the right people can hear. Since we're in over 100 markets across 34 states, Canada, and American Samoa, I'd say it's a pretty good place to start. If you want to know more, just email sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, Ph.D. If you've ever had questions about your health, listen to Healthline Live now online at qnlabs.com. Every Monday through Saturday, I'll take your nutrition questions live during show hours and guide you the best I can on your path to great health. The key to great health is nutrition, and unfortunately, our food sources are not even close to what they used to be. Go to qnlabs.com and join me to learn about quantum nutrition. Ask your questions and get real answers. I'll give you the truth so you're empowered to make excellent nutrition and lifestyle choices. Remember, each day's show streams 24 hours until the next show, so you can listen at your convenience from anywhere, anytime. If you miss a show, you can still find it archived on the website. So take advantage of this great opportunity to educate yourself and your family. That's Healthline Live every Monday through Saturday on QNLabs.com. Welcome back to Inside Analysis. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on Inside Analysis, talking with my buddies from Yellowfin from down in Australia. We've got uh, a couple experts on the line here today talking all about the latest innovations in analytics and artificial intelligence. Daniel Shaw-Dennis and Ivan Seow are on the line. And, Jen, so let's talk a little bit about where you came from, so how you got the idea to, uh, to work with Yellowfin, where the kernel of the technology came from. Tell us a bit about, about the story and even the name. Where, where does Yellowfin come from? Sure, sure. I mean, for, for those who don't know, we're a top five global analytics vendor. We're going to be leading innovation. That's something that we're known for. Uh, today, we pretty much provide the only an enterprise analytics suite that combines industry-leading automated analysis, uh, storytelling, uh, and collaboration. Uh, in, in terms of the name, uh, you know, we've, we've got a few exciting stories to sort of whether we tell people, um, but pretty much what, what we actually did was we actually, as a group, thought about what are the names that would actually grab someone's attention and has to have a color in it. Um, this, was, this was way back in 2003. I think it was slightly before my time as well. Um, and, and Dan, do you have any ideas on how Yellowfin came about? Yeah, and I think at the time, and, and probably listeners would remember this, you had some very uh, technical business objects, Cognos, names that were very um, not, not, as, uh, not as flowing as some of the uh, kind of organization and technology companies today. So as well as that, I mean, Yellowfin was born out of a frustration that a lot of these tools, and if you remember back in the 90s, that were quite cumbersome, quite costly, um, and um, we wanted something that really would enable the analyst, that business user, and a name that would reflect that uh, as well. Yeah, well, you guys, uh, I think you carved out a pretty interesting niche because, to your point, it's just interesting watching how the, the whole industry evolves. To your point, we had these big Goliaths, right, Cognos, we had business objects, uh, information builders. There are a number of companies that have been around for a very long time, and then we saw the consolidation, right? And, and consolidation is good to a degree. I mean, if you think about IBM bought Cognos, of course, SAP bought business objects. I mean, these were blockbuster deals that just really sent ripples through the whole industry. And it's good in a way because you know that software is going to be sticking around for a while, but also it just it, it sometimes makes access to that software a bit more challenging, right, whether it be the price points or just navigating through the new channels to get to it. So having new vendors crop up and have their own little unique angle on the world is very good and very healthy for the business itself, I think, right? Because it kind of keeps everybody honest. We want competition to, to have many different options. What would you say, what are some of the areas where you guys really figured something out and have done something with perhaps a sharper edge than maybe some of the traditional vendors in the space? I mean, oh, well, how much time do you have left, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I like that attitude. So, 
Yeah, so, I mean, we, we definitely have to talk, I mean, we have to take a step back and, and really, you know, sort of show what a thought process is, you know, all the way back in 2003. I mean, we we initially at that time, you know, you know in the space of where BO, Cognos, and Hyperion were reigning supreme, we sort of came into the market and actually thought about creating a, a web enterprise platform. Um, as you will know at that time, Eric, you know, web technologies were pretty much in their infancy and drag and drop barely existed. Uh, but we, we think that that decision proved to be a significant point of difference for Yellowfin. We're uh, really building that web-based BI platform uh, and providing an end-to-end workflow delivered in the browser itself. I think that that is something that we created um, and proved to be a key part of our success. You know, other other innovations that we did that was uh, that we felt was absolutely needed analytics and a little bit more pervasive today was obviously things like collaboration. Um, you know, we approached the product. Uh, but more than just being about analytics. You know, we looked at what people actually needed to do with the software, with, with analytics, how they actually needed to share and communicate information. Um, and, and it was more about reports and dashboards. We just wanted to take a broader perspective of how data is actually used in an organization. And that's pretty much why we baked things like collaborative tools in the platform. We brought social media layers into it and then sort of re-energized that within the analytics space so that people can actually go, okay, what's everything that's happening within my data set? What's everything that's happening within the platform and with other people? And how do we leverage each other's work within this enterprise um, and open up new ways that people can actually use information in the business? Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good point. And Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was about to say, you know, that, that's, that's what just, you know, some, some of the examples of how we sort of thought about analytics a little bit differently, you know. Rather than just thinking about, oh, here's 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 a layer of creating reports and here's a layer of creating dashboards, and you suck data into a dash that uh, desktop app and then you sync it to the server. I mean, that's that's a very safe way of doing analytics, but ultimately it doesn't really scale because analytics doesn't really happen in a desktop. You know, it doesn't really happen in a desktop app. That's that's just not the way we thought the future would be. Um, which is why then we thought about, all right, now that we've allowed people to collaborate, we've allowed people to use a singular analytical user experience, you know, regardless of where you are and who you are, and how do we then actually bring those users and content together? And one, the, the very clear answer was that was through automated insights and storytelling. So, and that's one of the most, I think, exciting steps recently that we've done, which is our work on automated insights. Uh, and that, and as Dan said, you know, that's added tremendous value to our customers. Um, and just because of the stuff we've seen out there, and there, there were just huge glaring gaps of stuff that people weren't actually thinking about. Um, because most vendors were focused on creating a discovery experience that were around a single piece of data, rather than actually thinking about how do, how do I actually help the business user or the analyst achieve an outcome. So we were pretty much thinking about, all right, so how do we then solve this, and that's why we're actually first to market with a solution that enables uh, you know, people to actually approach that and go, what do I not know that's happening inside here? How do I actually ask the question uh, of it without actually needing to create something new or ask someone to create something new um, and actually have something that automates the discovery of critical changes in my data, tells me what's important, personalized to me, and actually gives me the ability to learn and share from it. Uh, and that's what we've done, or what we feel we've done, because we're slightly biased, of course, um, through uh, signals and stories. No, I think this is good stuff. And, and folks, uh, I, I recommend you hop online to check this stuff out. So it's yellowfinbi.com. And the section of why yellowfin, I like the way that you guys have a nice um, chronology here of wh what you've done and when, right? So 2012, drill anywhere, multilingual, iPhone app, et cetera. I mean, this was your roadmap. This is what you guys achieved, and you get all the way to 2018. And to your point, you're talking about signals, which is great stuff, signals and stories, right? Signals are basically alerts, but these days those alerts can take any number of shapes or forms. And if you're using AI effectively, you can have some pretty complex combinations of signals to, to be able to tell the business person, hey, something's going on here that you need to address. And it's always going to require the person, it seems to me, let's, for the last three minutes or so, we'll kind of focus on the people side of the equation. The people are never going to go away. I think this, the, the fear that AI is going to take all of our jobs is just, is just not founded. AI is going to help us hack out and deal with all these really tedious, boring tasks like checking 80,000 documents to see which ones have all the form, have all the fields filled out, for example. Machine learning can just chew right through a situation like that. 
but the human being has to be the one to actually reconcile the exceptions, right? So the human being is still going to be there, and I think more of a strategic role than ever, thanks to technologies like AI and analytics, right, guys? Yeah, look, yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you spoke about, I think, Donald Farmer, who we know very well before, and he talked about this in a recent article about, as human beings, we're not wired for statistical modeling, at least not most of us. Um, we do pay attention to narratives which have uh, a direction and, and flow. And if we think about an enterprise, I mean, yes, these tools are fantastic and they can show some statistical changes and, and pop them up, but you've still got to put that into a form that can be interpreted, that you can add the context that might not be happening inside the data as well, and then that can be used ultimately for you know, decision support to make a better decision about your business, and that's what we kind of do this analytics game for uh, as well. So that human element is just so critical. So it's not, you know, it's augmenting, um, the technology is augmenting us type thing, and that, that part of it is just so crucial to that actually be used and be pervasive, you know, across a business. So I think that's one element, once again, that really have to think about, and you know, something that we've thought about with you know tools like Stories. I mean, the reason why we're here is because we have been developing these tools for a number of years, and um, you know, I think we've we've got a bit of a track record here. So. Um, I know from my side, it's just such an exciting time for the industry. So we're really excited to see what um, where this could take us. Yeah, and I, I agree completely. And I think it's interesting that uh, your latest innovations are listed on your site here, signals and stories. And the story really is the amalgam of all these little bits and pieces and insights that we've talked about over the years, right? Real quick, last sort of uh, minute or so, Stories really do represent the synthesis of all these little bits and bytes that we've gathered to the point where we can now really understand the business, really understand the opportunity of the challenge, and articulate that to make some informed decision, right? Absolutely. You, you just nailed the exact description of what Stories is all about. So Stories is essentially the vehicle for not just analysts and business users, but decision makers to all come together to actually look at what we call a long-form analysis. So it's actually integrating all the analytical content that you have regarding a topic or regarding a signal. And that's the beauty of it. So you can drive a story around a signal that you found, um, a piece of discovery, or a set of analytical content that you've built for insights, like be it a dashboard or report. And it can be all of that together as well. But as Dan said, you know, people really respond to stories. People really respond to narratives. Um, and there needs to be a common and consistent understanding of what the numbers mean to the business across the enterprise. I think that's a lot of a lot of people don't actually realize the importance of that, and a lot of vendors don't actually rate it as being important as well, which is why you don't see a lot of storytelling options out there, good storytelling options, um, besides us, again, biased again. Um, and, and I think that's what we're really trying to do, you know, like how do we actually take all those insights, all that content, bring the human element into it, collaborate, provide the advances, integrate the numbers, analyze the numbers, and provide what are the recommendations for the business and how do we actually drive decision making the right way and drive the dark of the culture. If you run a large corporate Why are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world, online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook. You'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.